So we are in covenant with one another. We've been talking about that for a few weeks. And part of our covenant is that we would grow together as a body. And so what we said was uh, we were going to open up with the series we did to begin the year. And then we're going to do four books of the Bible together. We're going to journey through four books of the Bible together in covenant, in relationship. Uh, and the purpose is not just that we would gain knowledge. Uh, because have y'all ever met anybody who knew the Bible, but they were horrible to be around? Yes. Uh, so the, the purpose is not just to gain knowledge. The purpose is wisdom. Uh, that we would gain the, the mind of God so that we could do the will of God so that we'd actually become like Christ because um, that, that's what we're trying to do. And so I hope that we, we've got a meeting tonight at 6 o'clock for people who just want some tools to, because we're going to do Genesis. Genesis is kind of a complicated book, but it's the first of the four books we're going to do in this series. We're going to do Genesis and then John, Ephesians, and Revelation. But Genesis can be kind of tricky, man. And so we're going to have a meeting tonight at 6 o'clock for anyone who's interested to come in and kind of get some tools for how to read Genesis and how to better understand it. And we'll have child care for that. If you're interested in that, show up. Um, or maybe you'll just kind of go through this as a family. Or you'll go through this as a small group uh, or as a couple or whatever. But I hope that as we journey through this series together that you will be also, you know, doing some homework and reading on your own. And if you don't, I brought my Bible today. I, I tend to do that. And so I would encourage you guys, this is a Bible study, so I would encourage you to bring your Bibles. Um, if you don't have one, we can give you one at the Connect table out there. Uh, you can also find a Bible on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your iWatch, on your Nintendo Switch. I don't care how you bring it. Just bring a Bible so that we can begin to kind of learn together. And like, I like telling you all about the Bible, but what if I'm tricking you? What if that's not really what the verse says? How will you ever know if you don't bring your own Bible? So go back and kind of check it on your own. Um, it's going to be fun. And through this, we are going to gain wisdom and our lives are going to be changed. And I'm excited about that. And so we're starting this series with Genesis. And if you have been around me or Grace any amount of time, you probably know that I'm more of a New Testament kind of pastor. I would say that roughly, and y'all know like math and statistics are my strong suit. So I would say somewhere around 97% of what I preach comes from the New Testament. Like, I typically use New Testament verses. Sometimes I use the same one for months at a time. But I typically like to kind of hang out and wade in the New Testament. And there's several reasons for that. And one is because I like the New Testament. I like it. I think it, it makes sense. It applies to my life. I can typically understand it. The second reason I preach so much from the New Testament is, is because people like Jesus. Like, even if you don't believe, even if you don't believe Jesus was a real person, you at least hear the story of Jesus and go, wow, that's an engaging character. That's a legitimate part. I mean, even if you don't believe everything we believe, Jesus is really, 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 really easy to like. I was in the AT&T store the other day in uh, Sheridan, uh, which is where I bought my flip phone. Super exciting. And I met a girl there named Bailey. And Bailey, if you're watching, Tommy, we met the other day at the AT&T store. Um, and and I, I, I was in there and just, it was taking a little while because sometimes getting a phone is a little bit like getting a car. And so I was taking my, you know, time in there. And, and I asked Bailey, she asked me what I did. And I said, I'm a pastor. And, um, and I was like, you know, I'm a She's like, I'm not really a Jesus person. Which I thought was a really cool response. I was like, okay, now we're having a real conversation. Typically when people hear you're a pastor, they go, oh, well, hello there. How art thou? Or whatever, you know. <laughs> like, she got real. Like, she was like, I'm not a Jesus person. I was like, fantastic. Let's go. And so I began to prepare my pitch to get her to come to grace. So I'm like, well, you should try. And she goes, let me cut you off. I'm not kidding. She goes, let me cut you off. Because every time I tell a pastor I'm not a Jesus person, this is what they tell me. Oh, you should try my church. My church is different. And I went, hmm, dang. That's exactly what I was going to say. 
She was like, I've heard it. Save it. And I was like, okay, well, that seems fair. And I said, well, so Bailey, t- tell me about your problem with church. And she began to tell me about some things that had happened in her life and some things she'd seen and some things in a church she grew up in. And what I, what I, as, as Bailey was talking to me, I, about halfway through, I said, Bailey, hold on, hold on. You don't have a problem with Jesus, do you? I was like, nothing you've said makes me think you have a problem with Jesus. You have a problem with people who claim to represent Jesus. I was like, you don't have a problem with Jesus, do you? And she goes, well, no, because I'm not sure I believe, but I don't have a problem. I said, okay, you don't have a problem with Jesus. You have a problem with people who claim to know Jesus. She's like, exactly. And so what I found in that conversation was most people don't have a problem. And I found this time and time again. Most people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the way we represent him. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the Old Testament. I was thinking about my conversation with Bailey in and, and, and the Old Testament, and I have struggled with, I'm just going to be honest here, and just keep it here. Um, I have struggled with the Old Testament at times. Uh, I struggled growing up really like uh, getting it or being interested in it or believing it. And, and, and I'm not sure that I had a problem with the Old Testament. I think maybe I had a problem with the way it was presented to me. But the way I've heard the Old Testament presented over my whole life kind of boils down into a few categories. And one was, like, people would present the Old Testament and say, this is history, and if you question any of it, then you must not love Jesus. And I'm like, hey, okay, well, I do. I question a few things, because not everything makes sense. Or, or maybe people would use the Old Testament to prove their political point. Like, they're like, well, this is what I believe about such and such, and I can prove it to you from Hezekiah 4, 4, 9, 17. I'm like, what? I don't know about that. Or, or I'd hear stories about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I would see people, and they would, they would use these stories to bash entire groups of people and to tell you how God hates whatever group of people the Old Testament story was about. And so the way I saw the Old Testament used sort of boiled down to this. Angry God, presented to me by an angry person, but then later on, this amazing Jesus saves me from the angry God. And so that sort of became my narrative of the Bible. The first three, two quarters, two, two thirds, two, two and eight, six. The first part is the story of angry God. And the second part is the story of cool Jesus who saves me from angry God. And I think for a lot of us, this is, this is kind of whether we know it, whether we say it, whether we want to admit it, this is sort of where we end up. Because the Old Testament can be complicated. But I've, I've been studying Genesis alone for almost like a year and a half now. And the more I read this stuff and the more I study this stuff, I'm coming to some conclusions. And one of the conclusions I'm coming to is that this Jesus who I love, because he saved my soul and he forgives my sins, I'm beginning to believe that this Jesus is actually in cahoots with this God from the Old Testament. <laughs> No, I'm saying I'm beginning to believe that they're somehow complicit with one another in what is going on. That this Jesus that I, that I love in these pages is actually somehow connected to the God I'm kind of confused about in these pages. And then I opened up Genesis. And if you guys want to open up your Bible, uh, Genesis 1-1. And if you want to find it, it's in the front. <laughs> it's in the very front of the Bible. Go past all the maps. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. It's so stupid. <laughs> Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so uh, there's a literal translation of that. Like if you would take the Hebrew words and make them directly English instead of like 
the, the literal translation would be, in the beginning, Elohim, which is a proper name for God, created the land and the skies. In the beginning, Elohim created the land and the skies. So that's Genesis 1-1. And so there's that God who confuses me and confounds me and sometimes offends me. And sometimes I don't like what he says. And sometimes I don't get it and I don't understand it. But there's that God. And then I went forward in the Bible to John. And if you want to find that in your Bible, if you have it, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it's on the, if you get Bible tabs, guys, I've been saying this for years, but Bible tabs are amazing. Um, John 1.1. Listen to this, because this is where it gets a bit confusing. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word is, is capital W, and that is a, that's just a proper name for Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then that verse goes on to say, and I encourage you to read it, uh, John 1, 1, it goes on to say, um, through him, talking about Jesus, all things were made, and nothing that has been made was made apart from him. And so I take these two verses, in, in the beginning, Elohim created the land and the skies. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, and he was there in the beginning, and everything created was created through Jesus. And I combine them together, and it begins to make me think, maybe this Jesus that I love so much has been there all along. Maybe, maybe, maybe the God that I don't understand, maybe the God of the Old Testament, maybe, maybe I don't actually have a problem with that God. Maybe I just have a problem with the way he was presented to me. Because I love Jesus, and, and the Bible even goes on to say that God never changes. That God is the same yesterday, today, and the day before, and over yonder, and whatnot. I mean, that God is always. And then it says Jesus never changes. And so I'm beginning to draw this conclusion that the God I currently love is also the God I used to not understand. That the God I've given my life to is the God who created the world. That the God who is my Savior is also the author and the sustainer. And there's this thread that's beginning to come together. And so if that's the case, maybe I should take another look at Genesis. Because maybe my problem is not with the God of Genesis. Maybe my problem is with the way it was presented to me. I, um, one night I was at, uh, I was at students. And um, y'all know Stewie over there? Give it up for Stuart Main over there, student pastor. Stewie. And those kids, uh, a bunch of those students go to a Bible study with him on Sunday morning, which I think is super cool. And so, um, but I was at students one night and there was a girl there and she was a Vietnamese exchange student. And this was super cool. Everyone was in worship and this girl didn't go into worship. And so I kind of went out there and sat down by her and, and um, expecting to wow her with my Vietnamese, but come to find out her American was actually better than mine. So, so we, we begin to have this conversation. I said, why aren't you in there at worship right now? And she says, because I'm not a Jesus person. And I was like, all right, here we go. And I said, well, tell me why you're not a Jesus person. And she says, well, because the church I'm, I've been going to, they told me this story of, of seven-day creation. And they said the earth was created in seven days, and I'm not sure I believe that, so I'm not sure, you know, so I'm not a Jesus person. And I'm going, okay. And then she says, and then they tell me this story about an ark. And I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I believe that you could fit every animal in the world on a boat, so I'm not a Jesus person. And I was like, hold, hold the phone. Because you, you're, you question the seven-day creation, and because you question the ark, you're not a Jesus person. I said, you can still be a Jesus person and question those things. And she said, you can't do that. And I said, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Why can't you do that? Of course you can do that. 
So this girl had been taught and told that because she questioned some things in the Old Testament, that she could not be a Jesus person. Her problem is not with the God of the Old Testament. Her problem is with the way it was presented. Because my faith is not in the ark. Arks don't save souls. My faith is in Jesus Christ. But we try to lead people to Jesus in an ark. Instead, I think you got to lead them to the ark through Jesus. And there's a difference. Because none of it makes sense until you have Christ. But if we try to punish people and condemn people because they have stories about a massive boat that contained two of every animal in the world, I get having a question or two. Why didn't the shark eat the lamb? I mean, you know, whatever. I just think we have to come at this from a different way. I think we have to, we have to approach Genesis in a slightly different way. And so I, what I want to try to do for the next nine weeks and what I'm going to set up today is let's come at Genesis in a way that's winsome, in a way that still holds to the truth. Because I want to say this on the front end. I believe Genesis is true in exactly what it is intended to do, and that is reveal the mind of God to us. I believe it's true. And so, but whether or not you believe it's literal or you believe seven days with seven, whatever, let's start this conversation, not with Genesis, where people often disagree. I'm willing to bet that even though most of us in this room believe in Jesus, we have a lot of different opinions about how the earth actually began. But what do we all agree on? Jesus. So why don't we start a study on Genesis with Jesus? So flip open to Luke 24, if you got your Bible. Uh, Luke 20, we're going to, and this is one where like you want to bookmark this, hang out in this, because this is so cool. We're, we're going to get to Genesis, but we're going to see what Jesus thought Genesis was about. And this is a fantastic story in Luke 24. So Jesus has died on the cross at this part of the Bible, and he is resurrected from the grave, and Jerusalem is going nuts because uh, this Jesus who had this big following has been crucified and all this stuff is going on. So just it's Passover in the city, crazy time. And so let's pick up the story in Luke 24, 13. It says, now that same day, I got to stand up for this. This is fun. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So this is two people who've been in Jerusalem and now they're walking to a city called Emmaus, about seven miles. It's a long walk. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. I mean, it's pretty, just like we would all be, right? They're, they're just having a conversation. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself comes up and begins to walk along them. But they were kept from recognizing him. This is, this is so funny, guys. Please allow Jesus to have a sense of humor in verse 17, Jesus, this is the God who knows everything. He is an all-knowing God who spoke a world into existence. These two guys are walking to Emmaus, and listen to what Jesus says to them. What are y'all talking about as you walk along? That's funny. Funny to me. They stood still, their faces downward. One of them named Cleopas, of course, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? So this guy, Cleopas, turns to Jesus and says, you don't know what's going on around here? Because that's how Cleopas would have said it, I'm 90% sure. Listen to what Jesus says. What things? <laughs> Hadn't heard anything. <laughs> I love Jesus. What things, he asked. 
About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, and he's powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, and they didn't even find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels and said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb, and it was just like the women had said, and they didn't see Jesus. And then Jesus looks at them, and listen, listen to what this is where Jesus kind of gets a little direct. How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. How slow to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. And then Jesus says, did the Messiah Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus makes two statements in in, in this meeting. He says, do you guys not know what the prophets have said? And when Jesus talks about the prophets, he's not thinking that these guys have actually talked to literal humans. He's talking about the Old Testament of the Bible, what the prophets had written. And he goes, didn't you guys know that what they wrote was about me? Then Jesus sits down and has a Bible study with them. He says, beginning in Moses. And when they said beginning in Moses, do you know what he was talking about? Anyone want to guess? Genesis. When when he he said beginning in Moses, they would have heard Genesis. And so he says, beginning in Genesis and Exodus and all the prophets, haven't you understood what this story was about? And so when Jesus talks about the Old Testament, when he talks about what's the thread, what's it really about, what Jesus thinks it's about is Jesus A story that's pointing to our need for a redeemer. A story that's pointing to our need to be saved. A story that's that's showing us that we needed to be rescued. And this rescue came from this Jewish man who lived on the earth and he died on the cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave and overtook all of the world and conquered death. When Jesus talks about Genesis, he sees the critical element of the Old Testament being a story that points to Jesus. I think we need to hold on to that for a second and think about that. Same thing later on. Paul comes along, and Paul is the, the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul is the guy that, that God sent to take people like us, the good news. And listen to what Paul says when he talks about the, the Old Testament. And this is in 2 Timothy 3, 14. And you can, you can go find this later, but it's, it's really good stuff. 2 Timothy, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy. Timothy's planted a church, and this is what he says. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Okay, hold on for one second. When Paul is writing a letter to Timothy about holy scriptures, what are they talking about? How do you know it was the Old Testament? Because the New Testament didn't exist. There was no New Testament yet. And so when Paul says the Holy Scriptures, you've been studying your whole life the Holy Scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. And then he says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So what does Paul say the Old Testament does? Makes you wise in salvation through faith in Christ. 
All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When Paul talks about the Old Testament, what he says is it is a book that points to wisdom that leads you to faith in Jesus Christ. When Jesus talks about the Old Testament, what he says, it is a book that points you towards faith in Jesus Christ. When they talk about it, what they seem to hold as essential is that the thread, the purpose, the point of the Old Testament is to give you wisdom to awaken you to a faith in Jesus Christ. What they don't say is, hey, Cleopas, Use it to prove your political point. Cleopas. I don't know, Cleopas or Cleopas? It's hard to say. Cleopas. Use the Old Testament to validate everything you've ever thought about the way the world was created. That doesn't seem to be what they say. What they seem to see, and I'm, I'm not saying it's not doing, but what they seem to see is the important thread is the story of Jesus that the Old Testament is literature that leads you to faith in Jesus Christ. And I, I think we have to start there before reading Genesis. Because Genesis should shape our lives. It should shape the way we see community. It should shape the way we treat each other. It should shape the way we interact with each other, the way we live. There is so much. But we must always remember the big picture and the big purpose is to point us to faith in Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the book. And guys, Genesis is ancient text. This was written thousands and thousands of years ago. And so have any of you ever gone to another country? Anybody ever been to like a place that was sort of like another country, just the culture was completely different than yours? Like, you know, like, yeah, whatever. Like maybe you went from electric cowboy to someplace else and there's just different, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But like, sometimes when you're in a different culture, what you don't do is walk around and expect to understand everything. And when you're in a different culture, you don't demand that they speak American. When you're in a different culture, you learn where they're coming from, and you try to humble yourself, and you don't go in there with all this agenda. You just walk in and learn. And so I think as we approach Genesis, we need to approach it as we are walking into a different culture where we might not understand everything. And so before I begin to Americanize all of Genesis and use it to prove my political point and blah, 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 or say something's not true, first we just open our hands and journey into this book with humility. Because I, I think God has something to say to us in this. And I think that we'll see that reading this book points to a conclusion. And that conclusion is that God so loved the world that he sent his son to save it. But what often happens when we do Genesis studies, and y'all are going to be studying small groups on your own, is we get lost in things like, where were the dinosaurs? I don't, I don't know. I don't know where the dinosaurs were. You mean to tell me that it was 724? I, I don't know. I am at best an ant trying to understand a big screen television, guys. At best. I mean, we, we don't know. Now, there, there are beliefs we hold essentially, but what will happen is Christians who agree on Jesus will get in arguments about the ark or about the seven days. And what's worse is there are people who will not ever come to faith in Jesus because we won't let them get past Genesis. Right? Like, let's all hop off the ark for just a second and keep in mind while we're going through this journey that there is a big picture, and the big picture is always Jesus. And so if you get in your group and you come in there dogmatically and go, well, hold on. I heard what Brother Tommy said, but I can tell you where the dinosaurs was. <laughs> Don't be that guy. 
please, please don't be that guy. I know you know where the dinosaurs was. I know you know, <laughs> but just for this once, can we let the dinosaurs go and just have a conversation where we don't get bogged down in the details because I don't think that was the point. What if instead we all united, laid down our own agenda, right, because we've all got one, laid down our own agenda, open Genesis, and ask a few questions. Who is God? Who am I? And why Jesus? Like, can we just start there? Who is God? Who am I? And why Jesus? And we allow each other to ask real questions because it doesn't all make sense. Because one day what might happen is your kid might go to college. Some of your kids. Some of your kids will go to college. <laughs> Others won't. That's just statistics. <laughs> Jason can tell you that. He's a high school principal. But, uh, so, but like, they're going to go. And, and, and if, if, if we train them to believe that the only way I can have faith in Jesus is to never question the ark, then they will come home from college and go, I'm questioning the ark. I must not love Jesus. You won't get to heaven in an ark. Arks don't save your soul. Christ does. I believe it's a real story. But first, I believed in Jesus. And so let's get there. But let's get there humbly, and let's get there through Jesus. Amen?